0: Good morning. good morning. We have all of our hearty people. Our Africans are all here from Nigeria and South Africa and this cold. They're, they're, they're just hearty. And, and all our other folks here as well. We welcome you that are at home staying warm and safe and we're glad for that. But we're glad that you're with us today in worship. Um, it's good to be back here sharing God's word with you. Nigel, left us with much to ponder about last week and did a wonderful job. Pray for Nigel. He's not feeling too well today. And uh, last week, I, because he preached, I had the unique opportunity to lead two celebrations of life services. One was for a family that I've been having gospel conversations with for a couple of years. And about 200 bikers attended, many who were not um, yet assured of Uh, their salvation in Jesus Christ. And the other service was for our dear sister Kitty, and again, um, I got the opportunity to speak with her loved ones, many, again, who were unsure of God's love and forgiveness for them. And I I was glad for the opportunity to speak about Jesus's love for them. You know, if we haven't met, my name is Ken, and I am the pastor here at Crosswinds Church. And My heart's desire is for everyone to know the good news of Jesus Christ. And I I would ask you to continue to pray with me for those people that the seeds of the gospel were sown into last week, that they may bloom in their hearts and, and transform their hearts from fear and doubt to assurance of God's love for them. Remember our mission, helping every family discover God, His love, and his ways. And how do we achieve that? Well, it's by equipping each one of you to have gospel conversations in your daily lives at at work and at play and in your school and with your families. But but to give assurance to others, you need to have assurance yourself. And we're wearing these Jake from Steak Farm t-shirts today. Um, You know, we're not insurance salesmen. We're assurance, encouragers here at Crosslands, but you're going to see your staff here in in these shirts for a while just to kind of have some fun with that. And um, our our series is called Assurance, not Insurance. See, many people view their faith as a safety net, uh, a shield against life's catastrophes. For them, God rarely enters their daily thoughts. They either lack the assurance of his love, or they're holding on to a false assurance of his love. They're clinging to religious experiences or maybe some past vows instead of living daily in relationship with him. You know, at Kitty's Memorial, it warmed my heart to see many uh, former faces that were here at Crosswind, folks that I hadn't seen since before the pandemic. And, and my hope is that they are navigating their lives with an assured peace and, and confidence in God's love, and that they're not merely treating religion as mere insurance policy for emergencies. I, I, I pray that, that that's the case, but for many in the church today, they're not living a life of assurance. You know, as leaders and as members of this church we're not peddling Jesus as an insurance agent we're we're called to disciple to to guide others into lives assured by his love through his spirit and and this transformation begins with Jesus and his gospel being constantly on our minds we need to preach it to ourselves that that is why our our in our first message, I encouraged you all to memorize a verse from Romans 8.1. Can anyone recall it? Therefore, those that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Good job, Barry. You get the gold star today. Excellent. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if memorizing the verse slipped your mind... Over the last couple of weeks, what occupied your thoughts over the last couple of weeks? Worries? Doubts? Distractions? And if so, then perhaps Jesus is more like an insurance agent than a source of assurance in your life. See, I preach that verse to myself every morning, have for years. Who, Who among us has not strayed from God's path over this last week? So today, do, do you feel condemned or do you feel assured? Remember, God's word declares that there is no condemnations for those who sin in Christ Jesus. And God doesn't lie. Let's set our mind on his truth, not on our doubts that whisper to us, and, 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 and learn to find assurance in his unwavering promises to us. Now, turn with me to Romans 8, 5, and and let's embark on a journey together seeking that true and lasting assurance in his love. You know, memorizing scriptures is one of the best ways to have constant assurance in your life. So I'm going to give you another memory verse today, and I I ask you, you know, maybe by the time we get done with it, we're going to have a good portion of Romans 8 memorized. And it starts this way. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To have assurance, we must live our faith. If you only think about God when when death strikes or tragedy strikes, or on an hour here each Sunday, how can you live in assurance? If you live most of your life outside of Christ, is that why? Maybe you feel condemned when you sin. See, you're not truly in Christ. Your mind is elsewhere, living in your fleshly desires. Sarks is the, not socks, Sarks is the Greek word for flesh here. That means our natural desires of your body, your self-preservation, your aggrandizement, your satisfaction, um, thinking about sustainability. Improvement and enjoyment. Basically, your mind is focused on you and what you need to thrive and survive. And friends, this is the carnal mind. One without need for God. If your mind is focused on making a living, feeling important, being happy, and approving your life, those things aren't inherently bad. Some are even God-provided gifts. But the problem is seeking them apart from God is making idols of created things instead of the creator who gives them to us. In your pride, these things become a replacement for God. If you say you lack time for his word, for for church or for serving others, for praying for your neighbors or or being discipled or having gospel conversations, where? Where? Are you living in your flesh? Your mind is set on the things of this world, not on God. The truth is, God has given us all 24 hours a day to live and to think about him. Nobody has more or less time than anybody else, but we make choices about where to invest our time and our efforts, so if you say you lack time for spiritual activity, you're choosing to live in the flesh and not in the spirit. See, identifying as a Christian doesn't guarantee that you are one. There are, men and, uh, or there are women that identify as men and men that identify as women, does that change their biological nature? I don't think so. Science doesn't think so. We don't change our nature by what we do in the flesh. Whether we paint it or make it up or fill it up with hormones or add or remove body parts, your biological nature remains the same. You know, others may falsely assure you that you're something else but you're still biologically what you were born as. You may fool yourself or others, but the work of the flesh doesn't change your basic nature. Your desires in the flesh is what you're trying to use to change your nature. And see, only God can change your nature. Likewise, many identify as Christians today because it makes them feel a little bit better about themselves a little holier, and maybe they feel that other people perceive them better because of their religious duty. But but they experience little or no transformation in their life because their minds are focused on the flesh, on themselves, on their own needs. Flesh has no power to transform flesh. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds through the Spirit. See what Paul says next in verse six. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But to the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The stark truth is that focusing your mind on the flesh leads to death. No matter how much we improve it or care for it or indulge our flesh, it is destined to die or perish. Because when sin entered the world, So the law of entropy. The second law of thermodynamics. Our flesh is a finite system. It begins and it inevitably ends. As we age, we face declining vitality and strength. You know, efforts like losing weight or eating right or even maybe joint replacement may improve our condition temporarily, but they cannot halt the relentless approach of entropy. You know, I'm nearly 60. And I feel these changes more and more every day. I can enhance my energy through, you know, good nutrition, through physical exercise, but I can't stop the inevitable decline that I'm going through. We're all... Heading towards death. And that same thing applies to fame and to riches. Those are fruits of the flesh that are subject to entropy. Popularity is fleeting. Even your steadfast admirers will eventually succumb to time. Wealth, too, is transient. Transient. While you may grow in it, the joy it brings diminishes over time. You may dream of a retirement filled with travel and and with leisure. Remember, the days to enjoy these pursuits are slowly dwindling. At best, on average, you may live 20 years past your retirement age, but often that's at a diminished capacity health-wise to enjoy it. If, you're, if only you know, your life centers on fleshy pursuits, seeking to improve the quality of your life, you're, you're, you're making a very poor investment, according to God's word. The mindset on the flesh is death. So if you're doing all these things as insurance to live, you have no assurance without Christ. You might wonder how this relates to God's assurance of his love. Well, to understand that assurance, we must first accept the certainty of our mortality. That no matter what efforts we put in the flesh, they lead to death. Paul doesn't say a mind focused on death feels like death due to lack of hope. He states it is death. A permanent separation from God. But but here's the pivotal point in God's truth, which does not lie. The mind set on the spirit is immune to entropy. It leads to life and to peace, offering us eternal hope regardless of our present circumstances. This hope is not dependent on anything fleshly. Nothing in our flesh. And I, I want you to let Romans 8, 6 be your memory verse this week so that you remember that. So, so put it on a little card and, and, and look at it every day. If you think you don't have time, friends, it's because your mind is set on the flesh. But orienting your mind towards the spirit actually offers you unlimited time, eternity. And and merely memorizing the verse isn't enough. We need to let it transform our thinking and and how we're investing our lives. Because it's very natural for the flesh to invest in itself, leading to death. But investing in the Spirit assures us of life. We often naturally crave a better life in our flesh. But friends, this leads to death. Jesus said this in Matthew 5:6: Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So, so friends, let's be satisfied this year. Let's change our minds. Let's, let's, let's focus our mind on God's eternal word, which brings life. And, and learn to have hunger for it more than things of the flesh. The flesh craves sin leading to death, but our souls are hungry and they thirst for righteousness, the righteousness of God that brings life. So ask yourself daily, which one am I feeding? The needs of my flesh or the needs of the spirit? And if it is the flesh, you will find no lasting peace, instinctively knowing that entropy is the ultimate reality that you're under. Life becomes an exhausting treadmill devoid of real joy because deep down you know it's all futile effort because all fleshly pleasures are temporary. But God, he designed us for eternal pleasures. In verse 7, it says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Here's the sobering truth. While you may think you love God, if your mind is more focused on worldly things, you're actually opposing him. Paul doesn't merely suggest that a fleshly mindset is like, Hostility towards God. That's, that's not what he's saying. He explicitly says it's enmity in the original language. Hatred towards God. You know, in our suburban lives, apathy towards God's commands is often mistaken or excused for busyness or distraction. But what does apathy truly signify? In the original Greek, Paul uses the word ekthra, meaning enmity or leading to hatred. So indifference to God is, in a sense, hatred expressed towards him. Jesus stated the greatest command as here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. To declare God is one, is to praise Him above all else. Give Him a big foam finger. He is the number one thing. You are His number one fan. So ask yourself, what idols today are diverting you from your focus on Him? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it your financial worries? Is it your hobbies? Is it entertainment? Because even good things can become detrimental if they take the place of God in your life. They can turn you into a form of hatred towards God. For instance, serving in the church might seem noble, but if it's done for selfish gratification rather than out of devotion to God, it's not service to Him, but it's service to our flesh or to ourselves. If you're trying to earn God's favor through your own efforts, you're missing the point. The mindset focused on the flesh seeking to earn salvation through deeds, friends, leads to death. Such effort often results in the feelings of condemnation because deep down you know your deeds are insufficient to bring you life. And this leads to a vicious cycle of striving more in the flesh or succumbing to a false sense of security. You know, one of the most chilling things Jesus said to a bunch of religious people striving for the flesh is this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is a highlight. This highlights the the danger of compartmentalizing our lives, performing just religious duties without having a true relationship with God. If you only talk to God once a week, do you have a relationship with him? Jesus said, I never knew you. This means that while people claim to love him, their actions betray and there's a different story going on. They're, they're really focused on their own desires, and they're just using God as a means to the end. They didn't prioritize Him and a relationship with Him in their hearts, they were invest, investing somewhere else. The rejection of God is often not seen as the ultimate offense. You know, we often will commend somebody for their kindness or their good deeds. But if those actions are devoid of a relationship with God, they are seen as rebellion in God's eyes. Great acts of religion or discipline, extensive Bible knowledge, or even guiding others, none of those matter if the heart doesn't truly know God. In the end, such deeds are self-centered and not God-centered. Without Christ, the Bible says we are dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The Greek word here for dead is necros which means corpse. Can a lifeless body generate life on its own? Can it? Without God's mercy, we're essentially walking corpses devoid of spiritual or eternal life. Although we're created in God's image, apart from him, we're merely animals destined to be food for worms. Our efforts in the flesh amount to nothing more than preparing for the grave. So why do we place our trust in the flesh instead of in God? And Paul addresses this. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. No action in the flesh can satisfy God. A dead thing can't bring itself to life. And God doesn't choose us for salvation because of our efforts, because we seem somewhat shinier or or better than someone else. You know, there's, there's a misconception out there in the world that there's some kind of cosmic scale where we earn God's favor by outweighing our good deeds over our evil deeds. And if the good deeds are higher, friends, that's simply wrong, according to the Bible. Our fleshly works no matter how good they are, cannot please God. That's what Paul's teaching here. So you're thinking, Ken, where's the assurance I promised? Paul now starts to bring this in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ Does not belong to him. Paul here is speaking to believers. He's speaking to the church, assuring them that their salvation is is not rooted in the flesh, but in the spirit. It's not about adhering to the law of God, that would be relying on the flesh, but it's about trusting in God's mercy. Paul contrasts a life in the flesh with a life in the spirit to highlight where our assurance truly lies. Not in our fleshly deeds, good or bad, but in the spirit at work within us. Paul is talking about God's power in us, not our willpower, not our discipline in the flesh. The evidence of the spirit living on us is demonstrated through our love for God and for others. This is a new heart given to us by God. And the Spirit starts to enable us to truly obey Him. The Bible says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Friends, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The way we know that the Spirit is there is if there is love. The Spirit of God must live in us. Perhaps initially it starts as a small seed, but it continues to grow as we walk with Christ, as we walk with Him instead of the flesh. Examine your heart. Do do you prioritize a relationship with God? Do you feel compassion towards others more than you used to, including even your enemies? Friends, it's not about being flawless, but it's about are you being transformed by the Spirit? Are you you growing in patience? Are are you growing in kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Are you sinning less as you follow Jesus? Because these qualities demonstrate Obedience to God's law through the spirit, not through the flesh. If this resonates with you, that you're growing in love, you can be assured of God's love for you, regardless of how your flesh fails. That's assurance. It's not about you. It's about what God's doing in you. He's making you new. And Paul assures us this in Philippians 1, six. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Assurance comes not in us doing better work in our flesh, but in Christ completing the work in us. Now, Paul continues in Romans 8.10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The statement hinges on one vital condition alone. If Christ is in you. How do you know if Christ is in you? You are invested in him and his work instead of what you can accomplish in the flesh. Even with the spirit within us, our body or our flesh still harbors fleshly desires or sarks, and it remains subject to death. It's important to recognize that even believers can struggle with many desires. However, there is now in this moment, no condemnation for those battling sinful inclinations because something greater is at work within us God's Spirit. So, let me ask you a very important question Does it make sense to fight our flesh with the flesh? No, because that's like using something dead to combat or perfect another dead thing. Instead, we should destroy our flesh with something that's alive, his spirit. And Paul says in Galatians 5.24, And those who belong to Christ, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, we can't simply improve the body to live better. We we must crucify the flesh through the spirit. And and I want to give you some practical examples. Let's say you're battling with lustful desires. Merely in your flesh trying to avoid that person or or trying not to think about them or trying to substitute them with something else, friends, will not ultimately be effective because your mind is still fixated or set on avoiding them. It's set on something in the flesh that's fighting fighting in the flesh Instead, set your mind on the spirit. When tempted, focus your mind on a verse. How about this one? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And friends, if you do that and you focus your mind on that verse, you will feed the spirit of God that lives in you you're setting your mind now on the spirit instead of on the flesh. And initially, it might be a struggle to hold on to this thought. You may be white knuckling it first, but gradually, your longing for God will grow, overcoming your fleshly desire of lust. Love for God will grow, and the desire for sin will diminish and eventually die. Friends, this isn't merely resistance. It's it's repentance in the Spirit, actively turning from sin to God. Another example is dealing with anxiety or fear, which Jesus would call sin. Instead of trying to rationalize those feelings away, instead of trying to ignore them or medicate them, turn your focus to the Spirit. Maybe try meditating on Philippians 4, four through six, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Memorize that if you struggle with anxiety. I've had great recovery over anxiety because... I memorize scripture and, and, and do what it says. Pray and, and give thanks. And your heart will start to align with the Lord's heart. And that will start to replace worry and fear with rejoicing. And it happens almost instantly. I've watched so many people walk in troubled and, and afraid. And I take a few moments to pray with them. And that, that anxiety dissipates. Friends, this is how you crucify the flesh by setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. Fear comes from a mind consumed with the pattern of this world in the flesh. Peace comes from trusting instead in the goodness of God. The Bible says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love, 1 John 4, 18. Friends, we are not perfected by our flesh, but by his love that assures us and changes us from fear to faith in his love. If we fear his punishments, it's because we feel condemned. And the reason we feel condemned is because of our work in the flesh, but There is now no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. There's nothing to fear. If you doubt this approach, consider whether you're relying on your own strength, your own power in the flesh, or are you trusting in God's power through the Spirit? Now to reinforce this, Paul reminds us of the immense power of God that is now living in us. In verse 11, it says, "If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His spirit who dwells in you." Friends, what, what raised Jesus from the dead? Was it his flesh? No, his flesh was dead. Dead. Jesus let his flesh die so that our sin would be destroyed in his body or in his flesh. Who reanimated Jesus? Who reanimated him? The spirit. The spirit of God. The spirit of the living God. Jesus had no special powers in his flesh His power was the spirit of God living in him. Jesus had truly good works on the earth, but it was not his good works that raised him. It was the spirit of God that raised him. Jesus surrendered his flesh to live according to the spirit of God's word. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And Paul assures us that that same power of God's Spirit will give life to our mortal bodies. Friends, you have the same power Jesus had in you, the same power to have victory over your sin, the same power that will give you victory over death. The Spirit of God is living in you, if in fact the Spirit lives in you love it your flesh is condemned but you are not if you are in Christ Jesus now right now in this moment god has no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus your shame is gone sin's power to condemn you is gone death's ultimate power over you is gone it's been defeated To live this life in freedom, you must set your mind on the Spirit daily. You must abide or dwell in God's Word and His promises. because That's where the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit comes to guide us in all truth. And so if we're not in the truth, where is the Holy Spirit? We need to be in the truth of His Word. We are renewed through His Word. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Join a life group, friends. You can do it online. The Point is not whether you're here or there. Get in a life group and be reminded. And also remind your other brothers and sisters of what he has done through his word. Friends, have gospel conversations to assure others when they feel the brokenness that comes from having their mind set on the flesh. But if you will set your mind on the spirit, And and remind them, the Spirit will grow in you. And you will live a life assured of God's love for you. Remember that faith that merely serves as insurance, fixated on the flesh, has no power to save. Today, I urge you to repent. to, To turn away from relying on your flesh. Instead, place your trust in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The power of God working through his spirit. Allow God to crucify those fleshy desires through his spirit and embrace true life. Jesus came to give you life and to give you it abundantly right now because the spirit lives in you. Repent of trying to perfect your own flesh, which only leads to fear and condemnation. Today, focus your mind. On his spirit, which assures you of his love. Nurture this assurance and and let it flourish within you daily so that you may bear the fruit of his spirit love to a world that's desperately lost so that they might find hope and true life in him. Let us pray. Father, we're so tempted by our flesh. Tempted by doing it ourselves and standing independently in our pride away from you. Father, I'm tempted. I know my brothers and sisters are tempted. Father, help us to turn right now. Turn to you. Be renewed again, or maybe for some of us, born again in your spirit, which brings life. We can do nothing to raise these mortal bodies on our own, but but you have promised us, Lord, that by faith in Jesus, by grace through faith, we are saved. There's nothing for us to boast in. It's a gift of God. Father, help us right now to turn to you and receive the gift of your Spirit which gives life. Let's commit to spending time thinking of you each day. Changing our minds. Actually, this year in 2024, let's 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 not change our actions, let's change our minds. Father, what would happen if if we would put more effort in the Spirit this year through through prayer, through, through reading, through sharing joy with others, Lord. What, what would happen in this congregation? What would happen in this community? Oh, Father, send a work of your Holy Spirit. Pour it down upon us, O oh Lord. We need you. The world is thirsty. It's hungry for you. They're not finding satisfaction in their flesh. It's only leading them to death. But you say, Jesus, come all to me who thirst, and and drink. Uh, Our hearts will flow rivers of living water. And what Jesus was talking about was the Spirit. And so, Father, let us as a congregation drink him in so that there's plenty of water for those thirsty and hungry out there in the world. Father, take away our distractions. Take away our pride. Help us to live you in Jesus name I pray